0: Let me ask you, uh, do you have any habits or mannerisms that remind you of a dad, a mom, the caretaker you had growing up? Think about that for a second. Have you ever done something or reacted in a certain way that caused you to think to yourself, wow, I am becoming like my parents? You've seen the progressive insurance commercials? I think they're hilarious, my kids don't at all. I don't know why, I guess that's something about age or something. The other day I was talking with my brother and, um, and I remember thinking to myself while he's you know, mid-sentence, like I'm hearing my dad and I'm seeing my dad right here. That must be what it's like for me maybe. I don't, I don't know if they, they see that in me or not even though I don't really look like anyone in my family, I don't think. Anyway, people have said that before, but that's more of a personal thing that you didn't need to know this morning. <laughs> yeah, now you know. But yeah, becoming like our, our parents. It's in John fourteen nine that Jesus makes the, dis- the statement to his disciples. He says, "...whoever has seen me has seen the Father." Now, he's not just talking about a mere character trait or expression. Oh, there's so much more to what he's saying here. It's a statement of his divinity. It's a statement about his relationship to the Father. Uh, Beyond that, he's talking about our relationship. the Father. It's actually quite complex, which is why we're going to get into it here in a minute. But beyond all of that, what He is really saying is something that cannot fully be understood in that He is saying, I am one with the Father even while He is on earth. Now how do we understand that just as we might understand the Trinity? Well, we'll talk about that a bit today as we get into John 14. Go there with me. We're going to look at John 14, 7 through 14 in our sermon series, Our Heart, His Home. Today, we continue as Jesus is celebrating the Passover with His disciples before His betrayal, death, and resurrection. As He tells them, He's going back to the Father to prepare a place for us. And he continues this conversation, now moving on from Thomas to something that Philip says, the disciple Philip says. So look with me at verse 7, it's where we will begin reading in Jesus' name. You ready? You ready? If you had known me, Jesus said, you would have known my father also, excuse me, from now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Verse 10 Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does His work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father." Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Great promise of of God. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's uh, quite a bold statement that Philip makes, seemingly demands of Jesus. Hey, show us the Father just just show us god and then we'll we'll get it then then we'll 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 believe now just to be fair to philip and the rest of his disciples you know when we look back upon the life and times of jesus we're looking back and we are trusting by faith in the words of the scriptures are we not Yes, we have been given the Holy Spirit, but we are operating by faith. But for the disciples, remember, they are still operating by sight. They're still learning. They're still growing, which is why Jesus says to his disciples in verse 1 and says it again in verse 11, believe in God, believe also in me, which is a very odd thing to say when you're sitting before someone, right? It'd be like me saying to you, believe in me, believe I exist when I'm standing right here, right? So we understand that Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's preparing them for what is to come, what is next. That he is going, and not leaving, leaving, but he is going to prepare a place for them. And that he will return. But in the meantime, He will pass on the work that He is doing to them, which is certainly what the Scripture text is about. He is preparing them to walk by faith, not by what? Yeah, not by sight. Something that is a part of our everyday, and certainly was for them to a certain extent, but something they were still being prepared in. What Jesus is really saying here is, Faith is inseparable from trust in me, and now you're going to need more trust than ever and and I want us to hear that today too, because is there really ever a day in our life where we are not operating in that way anyway? I mean in all seriousness I, I mean we don't have control of anything in our life we're, we're not we're not guaranteed another hour you know you go to bed at night and Will you wake up? That's not in your control, is it? Not really, amen, amen. Not really. So he makes some statements of promise, which is like a really formal way of saying he's promising us a few things here. The first is this, he makes this statement in verse 7, if you know me, you know the Father. And there's a lot to this that I want us to think about what he means by know here. Or understand here like like you can know about someone not really know them right like I know a lot about like musicians and 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 sports sports heroes of mine you know I know a lot about them but I don't know them personally do I right just talking to one of the students about this his dad collects a lot of memorabilia and he's even met his favorite hero Michael Jordan Kids, you don't know much about you know, the past sports. Michael Jordan was very famous when I was growing up. Okay, you still heard of Michael Jordan. Anyway, he collected all the sports memorabilia, and he's even met him before. But then I asked him just this morning, I said, but does your dad know Michael Jordan? And he's like, well, no. Is he his buddy? No, he doesn't know him like that. He knows a lot about him, but he, you get where I'm going, right? Should I I just continue with other illustrations? No. I I don't need to do that. No, you get what I'm saying. There is knowing someone and there is knowing someone. And that's what Jesus is first getting at here. That you can walk the walk and you can talk the talk. And you can know the answers to the test. But do you know Him? Do you know that everything God is doing is drawing you to Himself? To know Him, know Him. We like to say know Him in our hearts. Look with me at verse 8 again. What does Jesus say to Philip? It's really a chastisement. Which, kids, is just another way of saying he's admonishing him. Which, who even knows what means? But, okay, anyway. He says, I have been with you this long, and you still don't know who I am? Like, it's been three years. And and you've seen the works of my hands and you've experienced life with me and you've seen the miraculous and you you you've you've seen the grace of God before your very eyes and you still do not believe Now Philip may represent so many of us who live this way Oh just give us a little bit more and then we'll get it You know write it in the sky and then we'll believe and and that isn't to say that we don't have seasons of life like that, but I want you to think about what is going through the mind of Philip as he as he, as he makes this statement, show us the, the Father. He demands another sign and to this Jesus responds by saying, look at verse 11 with me again, believe me. That I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. It's Just either trust plainly. Or acknowledge that you have seen the glory of God before your very eyes. And, and really, he is saying the same to us today. Whether you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord today stop and pause just for a moment and recognize what He has done in your life. Especially in moments of difficulty and trouble. That God was there. That God has never let us down. That He will never leave us or forsake us. And we know it in our hearts. I mean, by faith, we place our trust, our belief in His hands and He does the work. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, by faith we entrust our lives to Him. But we also can see the evidence with our eyes and touch it with our hands. I mean, think about a time in your life where God has come through when you thought there was no possible chance anything like that could take place. Think about it for a second. I'll give you a little homework this week. kids homework time Everyone say yay Yeah see Adults you too I want you this week to write down no less than 3 things that have that have happened in your life that you've experienced in your life that you thought to yourself that is the power of God on display I'm thinking specifically the the power of God at work in your life. I want you to consider it no less than three things. And by the way, if maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen anything miraculous before. Like, I don't know anyone. I, I've heard this before from a kid. I don't know anyone with leprosy. So, so, like, I've never seen, you know, like, the skin healed, that sort of thing. You know, there are certain stories of the Scriptures that just kind of stand out and we just kind of of put the power of God in a box and say, well, I've never seen that, so I've never seen anything miraculous. But isn't it much more miraculous to see a heart changed? Because a heart can't be changed by me or you. In fact, you can't change your own heart. That is to say, like you have no power in and of itself, by your own strength, by your own hands, to save your soul. What is a soul? It's, it's that, that center of you. It's that part of you. It's that whole of you that is beyond the physical, right? So is it not the greatest work of God that He would even transform our hearts and lives? That He would save Sinners like you and me. I love when Jesus is teaching, it says in a home, in a house, and it says that as he is teaching, in the middle of his teaching, someone makes a hole in the ceiling and lowers down someone who is a paralytic, unable to walk, hoping. Praying that Jesus would heal. And it just so happens that the religious leaders are there right in the front row as Jesus is teaching. And it says that Jesus says first, before the healing of his legs, because if you know the whole story, you know he does heal him physically. Jesus says first, Your sins are forgiven. As if to say, this is much more important than anything physically I can do for you. And it's something that we need to hear on a regular basis. There is nothing more important than the salvation of your soul. And so therefore, there is no greater power than the salvation of your soul. And yet we have seen God work. I want you to write that down this week. I want you to articulate in, on pen and paper or, or on a computer or in your phone. At least three things in which you have seen the power of God on display in your life. How He worked in your heart. How He has been working in your family. How He's been working in different relationships. How He cured your cancer. How He restored your soul. How He took away your addiction. How He healed that baby. They said would never be healthy. Oh, I've experienced the power of God on display. It tells us in Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ. Everything we read in this book. Everything that we have experienced by faith. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. What does it say? What is it? Richly. 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 Like overflow. Let the Word of Christ and all He has done in all of His glory dwell in you richly. It goes on to say teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That's actually what we're doing here this morning together. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Covering both hymns and worship. Contemporary music there. Nobody? Alright. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the point. That we would overflow in gratitude. See, that's the kind of the natural life that comes from knowing the truth. From walking in His way. Did, did, did you catch the context there? Verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? That, that order, right? Follow the way. In, in following Christ Jesus, you know the truth. The truth is a person. And boy, that is the only way to abundant living, because true living can only be experienced in Christ, because there is no true living outside of Christ. My two-year-old has been watching this, uh, this YouTube Bible show. I don't, even, I don't even know what organization put it together, but it's just a, a show for little ones. and It's really cool, and the reason I'm even bringing it up is like, I think everyone should watch something like this from time to time. <laughs> even though it's for two-year-olds, I'm really into it. Um, but I love it because it has Bible stories, But it also has like a praise and worship time. And in one of the episodes this week, uh, they did a rendition of an old song that we used to sing growing up. It goes a little like this. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. You know it. Some of you grew up in church. Um, My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There is what? There's nothing my God cannot do. We did the actions and everything. Yeah. But then it says this. The mountains are his. The valleys are his, and the stars are his handiwork too. You know it's you know it's so funny about us. We like to think big things. Are things that you pray for that are confounding in a way that are mostly health related. And yet, the greatest displays of God in all the earth are every night, right before us. Every day that we wake up. Every moment that we stop and acknowledge that He is great. That He is greater. That He is beyond anything we can imagine. Our God is almighty, and when we acknowledge that and live in that that place of gratitude, it will overflow it it just will that that's just a natural natural way it comes from us. like the apostle Paul said in first Timothy one twelve look at this with me, but I'm not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Do you know what "know" he's talking about there? Like "know him, know him." That's not that. That's not the words of someone who who just learned about him in Sunday school and now they're moving on with their life. That's like, I know him, know him. Every morning I wake up, I. I just, I just want to know more. I just want to be in His presence. I want to be at home with Him. I want to be in that place of belonging. And I want others to know. Because the grace I've experienced and the friendship and the, and, and the Lordship in my life, that is, that is the most important thing to know, but not just know, to believe and walk in. Look what he says, for I am convinced that He, that Jesus, is able to guard until that day that, that has been entrusted to me, that has been given to me, freely, freely shared with me and built upon through His Word and Spirit at work in my life. The first statement of promise was, if you know me, you know the Father which includes the way to eternal life, which includes knowing the Father God personally. The second statement of promise we read is Jesus saying this in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, I read it before, but let's read it again. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Pastor Kevin asked at the onset of the service today, what's the greatest thing you've ever done? Great question. Can you believe that verse 12 says what it does? I don't know what you've done in your life. You've probably accomplished much. But, But what is he saying here? No doubt He's speaking to His disciples, and many of them would go on and perform miracles, even great works like Jesus. So He's talking about that, most certainly. Read through the book of Acts, and you'll see that some of these disciples will go on and perform miracles with their very hands. One will walk out of jail as the doors are opened by angels. Now you figure that one out. I can't. One, they're singing and there's an earthquake. I just think about some of these things that we read and by faith we believe that God is working and He is willing and I believe He is still doing that. In fact, we should never put God in a box and think that He is not working the way He used to work even though some might say, I'm not sure if He's working in the same way. Come on. Who's in control? Who is doing the work? God. Not us. And I'll admit, there have been movements within Christianity that have certainly not upheld the name of Jesus Christ the way they should. And maybe focused more on the the miracle than on Jesus. But that isn't to say God is not at work beyond what Jesus did in His time, and the apostles followed as they carried on what Christ was doing, I believe God is still at work. That beyond what He is doing, Jesus is saying, you will do greater things. But how do we understand this? Because no one outside of Christ died and was buried and was resurrected and rose to life and ascended into heaven. So certainly Jesus couldn't be saying that, could He? No. No ultimately what He is telling us is quite simply that we will do greater as in more. We will carry on the work that He has given. That we will have the baton passed to us and we too will be a part of the work that He is doing as we reach the corners of the globe. And is that not happening today? Think about that. Jesus hardly ever left the Middle East, right? He spent some time in his early childhood in Egypt, and then most of his time in, in the Galilee and Jerusalem. He made his way over to what is more modern day Syria, and of course he went through Samaria, but he never really left the Middle East no that work was for us as perplexing as that is to understand that work was for us that he wanted us to carry on the work that we each have both the responsibility and the privilege that we are a part of the kingdom of God on this earth as we are preparing for the kingdom we will experience in heaven I want you to hear John 16:7, which he says later on from where we are at today, but just as important for us to hear today. He says this, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. How can it be an advantage that Jesus left? Oh, because of the Spirit of God at work in us. And if the spirit never comes, he cannot reside in our hearts. And if he is not in our hearts, then we can never be home. This home of ours that we call our home this earth is not our home. No, he has made his home within us. Therefore, just as Ephesians 5:1 and two says therefore be imitators of God as beloved children carry it on be an example of Jesus just as he was and it was more than example but more that he was an example of God to us that he showed us everything we needed to see that he did what needed to be accomplished so that we too could walk in his grace and mercy so that we could experience The love and the grace and the salvation of God. Therefore, be imitators of God, church, as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That we would carry on what Jesus did. That we too would would be the love and grace of God to those around us, a fragrant offering. Um, Is that what people believe us to be, a a fragrant offering? I don't know. When when people look at the church and us, whether we're driving on the road or we're at home, do uh, do they see a fragrant offering? I wonder if uh, some of us just need to gaze upon the power and the grace of God a little bit more in our lives and let go of a few things in order that we would be a picture of Jesus to our neighbor as we uh, bow in prayer and we close I just wonder if maybe uh, there are a number of us here who need to pray, Lord, Lord, I've been, I've been trying to do this one on my own and, and uh, I haven't even been pausing and reflecting on the goodness that you have given. And there's been some time in my life that has gone by in which I, I've hardly taken notice of your power on display and it's affecting it's affecting my daily life I wonder if there's not a few of us here who just need to need to bow before him and acknowledge just as we began that he is great that he continues to work and that he has a purpose and plan for our lives so would you bow with me as we acknowledge that together. And I pray over us that He would open our eyes to what He is doing. Oh Father, we are... We are in need of Your mercy because every day I believe we fail to acknowledge what You're doing how you are seeking to revive us in our world. Yes, Lord, we often focus on the negative rather than the good news of salvation. Of course, we have to recognize our need. That's what we're doing here. We have to learn to let go. Just as you were instructing your disciples They had to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. And you're doing that in our hearts too, God. But Lord, may it be that we trust you more and more each day. And that we take seriously the responsibility that you have given to us. That we are to carry on the kingdom work here on this earth. And that you have a purpose and a place for what we're doing here today and for this church body and for each one of us as we go from here so Lord we let go of the things that need to be let go of and we ask you to come in and transform our hearts we pray this in Jesus name Amen